0: Hello and welcome to this audio version of the Universal Prior Substack, where I write about all things related to brains, minds, and their possible uses. My name is Jan, and I'll be reading some of the posts that I publish. If you like what you hear, consider checking out the blog at universalprior.substack.com and subscribe to get a notification whenever a new post is released. And now, without further ado, Task decomposition and scientific inquiry. Meta. As this post is all about summarization, and since I value your time, I'm experimenting with putting a one-sentence summary at the beginning of each paragraph. Let me know if you hate this uh, in the comments. Astonishing asymmetries. There's a curious asymmetry in how difficult it is to make something versus how easy it is to evaluate it. After working on an idea for a couple of days, I usually run my work by a friend or colleague once I think I have found a solution. More often than not, said colleague manages to find a flaw in my argument in five minutes. While I can't deny that some of them are smarter than me, they are not smart enough to do the same amount of mental work in five minutes that took me several days. They are no clones of John von Neumann. We might leverage that asymmetry for AI alignment. This asymmetry pops up all over the place, sometimes making life better, sometimes making it worse, and sometimes driving computer scientists into madness. Nassim Taleb has written several books about it. And it also sits at the heart of a specific family of proposals for how we might control an artificial intelligence that is smarter than us. Perhaps we can set the AI up in a way that we have the asymmetry on our side. Then we might be able to steer the AI, even though it's a lot smarter than us, and use its SMART to achieve a positive outcome for all of humanity. That would be great. For this strategy to work, we need to decompose complex tasks. But it turns out that a critical property for these proposals to work out is that we can decompose tasks into simpler subtasks. It's an empirical question whether this is possible in general, and some initial results looked a bit discouraging. But there's also more recent research on recursively summarizing books from human feedback. That looks more encouraging. What is this proposal and why is it encouraging? I'm glad you ask. Recursive Raillery. Summarizing books is an instructive test case. Reading an entire book and summarizing its content is hard work and costs time. So it would be fantastic if we could get someone else to do it for us. But how can we trust someone to do a good job at the summary? How do we know they are not leaving out important things and that the resulting summary is completely decoupled from the original text? There is a natural recursive strategy for summarization. Fortunately, summarizing text can be broken down into simpler subtasks. To generate a summary of a book, generate a summary of all the chapters, and then combine those. To generate a summary of a chapter, generate a summary of all the paragraphs, and then combine those. To generate a summary of a paragraph take all the sentences and smush them together hard until they look summary. once decomposed each subtask is easier to verify the aforementioned asymmetry shows up at each summarization step which is cumbersome to do but relatively easy to verify it's not too much work to read a few sentences and to see if a summary is reasonably accurate The hope is now that perhaps we can amplify the asymmetry and find some scalable method for verifying one step of summarization if we're able to verify or steer the steps at scale then every subtask will be solved accurately and also the summary of the entire book ends up being accurate reward modeling is a scalable technique for verification recursively summarizing books with human feedback demonstrates that reward modeling can do the trick We can capture human preferences from one summary over another in a reward model, serving as a target for the summarization process. The result is a collection of pretty good summaries of hundreds of books produced by repeatedly breaking down the summarization task into simpler subtasks. Pretty nifty, right? Frenzied factorization. Summarization is idempotent and books are highly structured. Well, of course, there are caveats. As alluded to above, summarizing books lends itself well to decomposition. This is due to two facts. One, the summarization operator is idempotent. The summary of summaries is again a summary. Two, books have almost always a neat linear and hierarchical structure. As a consequence, we can solve each step of the process with the same operation, summarize. And there's a natural order in which we can decompose the book. Book goes to chapters, goes to paragraphs, goes to sentences. Decomposition might be difficult in general. Can we hope to find the decomposition in general? There is a strong case that nothing fundamentally complex exists. Complexity is in the map, not the territory. Everything can be neatly decomposed into disjoint pieces or dissolved whenever the original thing is confused. However, before we know how to decompose something into its constituents correctly, we can get very confused about how it works. Debate is one proposal for automatic decomposition. Consequently, finding the correct lens for zooming in and uncovering the correct way to decompose a problem is non-trivial. One proposal for producing correct problem decomposition is debate, where the components of an argument are exposed through adversarial probing. It seems, however, that some rather sticky issue persists. Also, people tend to be kind of bad at evaluating arguments. Decomposition through debate is not looking too promising right now. Debate in real life cannot robustly decompose problems. In retrospect, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Real debates kind of suck. Something akin to debate led the ancient Greeks to believe that everything is water and medieval scholars to think that fire is made from phlogiston and ponder the number of angels on the tip of a needle. A debate doesn't correctly leverage the asymmetry between building and criticizing. In particular, a particularly convoluted argument is too hard to disprove. Scientific inquiry is a robust technique for decomposition. There is, of course, another way of looking at this. We do have a much more robust method for decomposing problems, scientific inquiry. Half of the research process is about finding the question. Similarly, the hard part of proving a complicated mathematical theorem is seeing why it has to be true. Often, writing the proof can be almost mechanic. If we could automate scientific inquiry, we might get to a point where we can reliably discover appropriate decompositions of problems. Dense discoveries. Automating scientific inquiry is hard. Just saying science is easy, of course. While we have great tools for automating debates, we do not even have a clear idea of what the scientific method actually looks like. Most knowledge about science is implicit, and an unhealthy admiration of serendipity pervades academia. I have some ideas for automating parts of the research process, but the core of the problem eludes me. A decomposition has semantics and syntax, but I do have a trace of an idea. The first observation is that there is something like semantics and syntax of a decomposition. The semantics is the content of the decomposition, and the syntax is the structure that ties the content together. The second observation is that for a successfully decomposed task, the semantic interplay of the individual components mirrors the structure in which they are arranged. Okay, I realize that probably makes almost no sense. Let's look at an example. Semantic component of a decomposition. We take the decomposed story of Alice in Wonderland as a starting point. We want to ignore the decomposition structure for a second and just focus on the resulting text. In this figure, I illustrate how I took the separate pieces of the source text and the summaries, embedded them in a high dimensional vector space and computed the similarities between all the components. What follows is an embedded illustration that shows exactly that, going from the decomposed text to a big correlation matrix that has a kind of blocky structure. The resulting correlation matrix is clearly not random. For one, there are blocks of high correlation along the diagonal, which stem from the fact that paragraphs nearby in the text tend to share semantic features. Another observation is that there are two highly correlated off-diagonals indicating the similarity of the depth-to summary and the source text. There is also a much fainter set of four additional diagonals indicating the similarity between the depth one summary and multiple portions of the depth two summaries. The depth zero summaries should correlate with everything, but it's tough to see because it's just a single row and column. Syntactic component of the decomposition. Now comes the kicker. Instead of focusing on the resulting text, we might also exclusively focus on the resulting structure of the decomposition. In this figure, I illustrate how I took the tree decoupled from the text, embedded the nodes in a high-dimensional vector space, and computed the similarity between all the components. Here embedded is another illustration that shows how the graph structure is embedded through a graph embedding method into a high-dimensional vector space and then the the resulting vector representations are uh, compared with each other and the resulting correlation matrix has a very similar blocky structure to the previous correlation matrix. I won't have to repeat the spiel of the previous paragraph. You can see that there is again clearly a pattern and that this pattern looks a lot like the pattern from the previous figure. This is what I mean when I say that semantic and syntactic structure match. The way that the tree's nodes relate to each other resembles how the different pieces of text relate to each other. This observation might be trivially true, but I hope it's trivially true in an interesting way. And then… a cliffhanger. What does this bias? I don't have a great answer to that question yet. I'm running a bunch of experiments on this idea to see what it can do, but it'll take a bit more time to process. Since my posts have been getting pretty long recently, and in the spirit of building in public, I'm putting this out there anyway. I'll update you when I've learned more. This was an audio version of the Universal Prior substack. If you enjoyed listening, consider subscribing to the newsletter to get a notification about a new post straight to your inbox. And with this, until next time!